In April 2020, just as the global pandemic was kicking off, Lawrence and I started recording our weekly Friday Firesides. These are conversations broadcast live over the Crowdcast platform and joined by people all over the world who listen in and share their thoughts with us via the chat. We started these live recordings as an opportunity to keep in touch with our members, as well as process what it meant to run a business during a pandemic. Since then, we've broadcast nearly every single Friday and built up a library of over 100 episodes. We cover a range of different topics from money to meaning, pricing to purpose, vision to vulnerability, entrepreneurship to empathy, and product design to life design. This is our perspective of what it means to do business from the inside out, as well as the outside in. If you're a business hippie just like us, then you'll definitely find something of value here. We hope that these conversations inspire and motivate you to do work and build businesses that create meaningful change without burning out. Because like us, you're just wanting to make money, do good, and be happy. The topic of today, let's say the title, because sometimes the title doesn't match the topic at all. <laughs> we're just like, ah, oh, that's an interesting title, but we're going to talk about something completely different. But it is Say Something No One Else Can Say, and I was, attra- I was attracted to that title because of a blog post that I saw on Michael's 50-odd blog uh, around stories that make you feel, evoke emotion, that actually make you care about something, uh, whether it's a business or a project or a person. So I'm going to park that for a little bit because Michael just shared this idea of like, should he buy the shop? You know, this is like this shop has appeared uh, as an opportunity. And this morning at our Ideas Cafe, the title of the session was called How to Define Your Purpose. And one of the questions, actually a number of the people who were asking a similar question is like, how do I avoid following the shiny new thing? It's like, how do I stop getting distracted by the shiny new thing? Which was a really interesting question because it seems to be, a question that people will ask whether they're at the start of a journey, in the middle of the journey, at the end of a journey, there are opportunities or distractions, depending how you want to frame it, uh, and how do you determine which is which. So that's maybe a question that we're going to tackle um, throughout this. But before we dive deep, uh, I thought for those of you who are joining us today who have not met Michael before or are not aware of his work, um, I thought we'd get you, Michael, to just give us uh, an overview, however way you want to describe that, of where you are now in terms of your your work, your life, uh, and any significant relevant milestones given our conversation that got you to here. Well, probably the most important there are four businesses basically and i'll tell you basically very briefly what they are one of them is um it's it's a holiday studio setup in northumberland an accidental business because we moved in the pandemic because we were a bit bored so we thought let's move and we bought a house which had bits stuck on which were a bit grubby i'm kind of a furniture designer interior designer by trade 30 odd years ago. So we've done the mob and people now come and stay and it's doing all right. I quite like that, but it's an accidental business because we never imagined. So let's just do it and see if people come and people came. Um, So that's one thing that's called old post office and it's in Northumberland. The second thing is I've gone back to my roots because I used to run uh, four um, creative agencies, design consultancies, brand consultancies and marketing agencies in conjunction for 15-ish years. And then I stopped all that. We can talk about that later. About when I was 45, I just stopped and did something else. But to come back to your question, what am I up to? Old post office is one. Number two, I'm, I'm, I'm advising uh, four businesses on how to become less boring, actually. In short, that's my job because um, most businesses, most businesses are very, very boring, I find. And I do that under the brand Michael. So for the first time, I've been ballsy enough to call something after me because I can't hide anymore. You know, I thought, well, I may as well call it after me. So those are the two things out of the four. The next one is this thing called Always Wear Red, which is a ridiculous, ridiculous idea because it can't make money. And I don't know what I'm doing. but. I've worked with the very best makers in the whole of the United Kingdom to produce what I think are the very best 
products of their kind using the world's best materials. It's just so hard, though, and I don't like it. So I'm going to stop doing that. Um, and, I've, and I've encased it in a new way of being. So it still stands alone, but I've shifted the purpose a little bit. So the first thing is the old post office. The second thing is brand consultancy, but with only four businesses that I want to work with. The third thing is a, a clothing brand, which sells all over the world, actually, called Always Wear Red. And the final thing is I wondered when I reached 50 if I could write because I like writing, but I thought, I don't know if I can write compellingly. Well, I thought the best way I can work out if I can write in a way that people want to read, this is a great idea, I thought, I'll write things and see if people want to read it. And I know that sounds like I'm being patronizing, but the world's full of people, I think, who go, I wonder if people would like it if I did this. And I go, well, do it then. So I started writing 50odd.co.uk on my 50th birthday and I thought I'll write a story because I'm 50 and I'm odd every day until I die you know and I did not die I, I wrote for uh, I wrote for two years no did I yeah about a year and a half and then I stopped because I was writing for the wrong reasons and we can go into that if you like but now I'm back again and I've started to write again on 50 odd that is a rich set of pickings there for for us to cover what I'd like to start off with is the whole writing thing. Let's start with that, yeah. because I think that's something that a lot of uh, people in our community will resonate with, particularly those on our Vision 2020 program, this group coaching program that we run. And one of the, the, the final challenge we give them is to essentially uh, think out loud by uh, writing about their story on social media. And there's fear of whether I can, they can, you know, they have a story to tell. So, Maybe share with you your journey of, well, just starting to write and what is it about you that allowed you to just go with for it and then how that evolved as you as you kept on writing. So it's like Tourette's really. So I have ideas. Uh, we, we all have ideas and then we make a decision about whether to push them down or say them out loud. The great thing about writing a blog is that when you launch the blog, no one's listening, only you are. It turned out after about a year that about 10,000 people a day would read what I'd written. And the only reason I know that is because a few hundred or low figure thousands would look on the blog itself. But with LinkedIn, there are 20,000 people who, for whatever reason, are linked to, to me. It would get pushed. Certain things would get pushed and repushed. And you can count the numbers. Most of the time, well, all of the time, I think the biggest mistake that people make with any public conversation, including conversations like this, is they account for three audiences. They account for the, the perception they're creating of themselves, the person they're talking to and thinking about the opinion of that person. But when you do it on a public forum, of course, there's the third angle, which is everybody else. And I think that's a big mistake. And I think the thing that happens, mo the reason why I think that the huge majority of LinkedIn and you know many podcasts is that people say things based on what they think is the right thing to say based on the audience that might be listening and that's why i think everyone sounds the bloody same it's just really really boring so my daughter who's six doesn't do that because she doesn't know how to tailor her approach to other people sadly by the time she's eight or ten she probably will have learned that and the things she say will be infinitely less interesting but I think we say the most interesting things before we're five and after we're either 50, 60 or 70. Depends on when we reach that point where we start giving less of a shit about what people think. So the reason I write how I write is because I think that most businesses I work with don't think right. What they do as a result of how is as a result of how they think. But I was thinking recently, this word thinks happening a lot, isn't it? What do I actually do? Because brand consultancy sounds really boring as well. Most of the time, I'm just saying to people, you're thinking about this wrong. And they'll go, what do you mean? I say, well, this is a much better way to think about it. So, for example, I'll just give you an example. So most businesses I work with have no idea what their competitors are doing, really. No idea. So they don't know if they're better, worse, distinctly communicated. They just haven't got a bloody clue. But interestingly, you can go from not knowing what's going on to knowing what's going on and then work out the best of your competitors and become an average of what they are. And businesses think that that's a better way to be. 
But it isn't because you are, to repeat the word I've just said, average. You're not better than anybody. You're just a diluted version of everybody, which means you have to go to the third position of being pioneering, which is really scary because there's no map for that. It's the snow that nobody's walked on. But what I'm doing, this is the kind of thing I'll say to a business, but that reaches one business. If I say it on the, the, the forum, the 50-odd thing, more people hear it and more people respond to it. And there was a weird spike with one story that I wrote that over a million people had a look at. And it's only happened once. Either way, when it happened once, I thought, right, millions of people are going to listen to me every day. But then they didn't. But one story kind of had ever such a lot of people listening to it. And I remember what it was. But to come back to your question about how and why and when I write, it was just a way of letting it out. I use the word Tourette's. So it's a Tourette's-like behavior. This is what this is the way I'm thinking today about this issue in my world. Maybe that's useful to you. And that's why I wrote, because I wanted to help people to be brave enough, if you like, to think a little bit differently. That's brilliant. That's gold. Thank you. And this whole fear of what people are going to think about what you write, um, as John is saying, unfiltered. That's your way, Michael. Uh, I think this is the challenge that I'm hearing or I'm understanding, even from my own perspective about writing and doing things, is the filters that we we start to create for ourselves as we grow up, like you were saying, from the age from the age of five or whatever that young age where we start being told what's wrong and what's right and uh, what's good and what's bad and what's going to make I us think, be liked or not liked. Well, you can set so, your own brief. You can set your own brief. If you set the brief that with your writing, you want to be agreed with and understood, that's not my brief. I'm not interested in um, whether people agree with what I say, because if I was, I'd have to take into account the third audience, wouldn't I? Actually, there's just two audience. I don't account for them. And that's not being disrespectful, but I'm just being me. It's too much hard work to try and work out what they want me to say. I'm just, it, it's easier to work out what I think. And it's because in our, in the precursor to this, Carlos, you reminded me that some of the people that might be listening might be thinking of starting a new business or changing the business that they currently have, or leaving where they are to do something else. And I always remember a, a specific moment in time where somebody who worked with me, for me actually, in one of my, one of my teams, leant forward and said to me after I'd been doing, doing marketing and design for over 10 years and won 70 awards around the world, and they asked me about how I felt about brand, a very precise sub-area, I suppose, of well, one could argue whether one's a sub-area or the other. But anyway, the very specialist area of brand. And I gave them a very anodyne catch-all response to what I thought about brand. And they leant forward to me, and this was the former head of planning and strategy at Sarchis who said this to me, and he said, get a fucking opinion. And I said, what do you mean? He said, more specifically, you've already got an opinion. Give me your opinion, not what you think people want you to say to sell more brand consultancy. And I told him what I thought about how I really felt about brand. And he said, that's it. And I always remember that because the best advice, honestly, I've given to many businesses without the F word is get an opinion. Just get your opinion out. It reminds me a bit of what Ted Hargrave was saying on a previous episode about having a philosophy and not, um, not wanting to say the right thing or be right, but just have, a, have an opinion, have a philosophy, have a stance on, on something as an individual or a brand because yeah like you said everything's just so vanilla isn't it everyone's trying to say the cool new thing rather than just say what's true for them and and accepting that some people will, will like it and some people won't and and uh, i think that's a struggle for a lot of people is when you have an opinion you're basically putting a stake in the ground which i think is really great and brave but for some people can be can feel risky because they just want to be liked no one wants to get any people trolling them or any negative feedback um but I'm a believer in that's that goes with the territory, really. The more you put your heart on the line, the more you're going to find people who love you and people who maybe feel the opposite. When you're talking about opinions, it's virtually impossible to be wrong. There are certain isms that by definition are wrong from a societal point of view. But from a, from a business point of view, I believe, for example, that most marketing that I see is awful, awful. And I believe 
it's awful because of the following. This is my belief. The reason why I believe that most marketing is awful is because a lot of professional marketers aren't very good and they do ordinary marketing, which makes marketing look easy. So people who are not very good marketers copy the crap marketing and the crap marketing gets crapper because the non-marketer is crapper than the ordinary marketer. And it's a downward spiral. So basically, you know, there are many, many marketers out there who do not understand the difference between differentiation and distinctiveness, i.e. why something's different and better versus it kind of looking and feeling better than the other people. But instead, and this is important, instead of me just sitting here moaning about crappy marketers, encouraging non-marketers to do even crappier marketing than they're doing, I wrote something. I wrote a tiny little digital book called a brand. And I basically said, look, 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 whether you're a marketer or a business owner or a this or a thatter, there are 20 things that I can think of right now that if you knew whether to choose A or B, you would always be a better marketed business or a better marketer. So I wrote them down. I put them in this digital book and I've pinned it to the top of my LinkedIn page. So basically, the world's full of talkers. I didn't want to be a talker. I wanted to be a doer because I think you're not what you say, you're what you do. So if someone said, oi, Mr. Big Ed, then stop talking about crappy marketers and crappy marketing, help us to be better marketers. And I have. And by the way, you'll look at the book if you want to, because it's there at the top of my LinkedIn page, and you'll either agree with it or you won't. But in my opinion, if you choose A and not B for all of these 20 things in the way that you communicate your business, you'll be a better marketer within an hour because it can be read within one hour or you'll be much better at appointing a marketing company because the marketing company, you see if they know the difference between A and B because most of them don't and the cycle goes around. If you want to make a difference, make a difference because that's what I'm trying to do in my tiny little way because not many people listen to me rabbit on. But there you go. You know, that's an example of how I tried to go, look, if you want to be a better marketer, in my opinion, Choose A, not B on these 20 things, and you're immediately better. One of the things, so you're not, uh, let's say, you're not backward and coming forward, Michael, which is great. Uh, you are very clear and uh, about your opinion, and you're very, uh, how I, I'm hearing you, you're very aware that it is an opinion and it is a perspective. And so, what I'm relating to in terms of uh, John Paul's question is we can express an opinion or we can express a perspective, and there's potential that someone will have a different opinion or perspective. And so on one hand, there's this idea of being wrong, and there are times when you can be wrong. I know in maths, I can tell my daughter, well, one plus one does not equal three. And that's because of the rules of maths, not because of some godly principle. It's just the, the rules of the game. However, in a world of like complex ideas, shifting societies, different ways of doing things, what I would propose is perspectives are all we have. I don't think there is an objective truth necessarily. There is harm, there is pain, there's being willfully disrespectful and not uncompassionate, if that is such a word. But if you're expressing a tr an opinion that you believe is maybe something you're developing as an idea or you strongly believe in because it's something that you think is is from your own lived experience and isn't causing someone harm, but just something you want to express, then there is no wrong or right there, is there? It's just always a perspective. And I'm just trying to give John Paul and anyone like them who is scared of saying something or expressing an opinion or just sharing something like you were saying, this is what I think good marketing is, or A is wrong, B is right type approach. What would help them move forward with just being a bit more open with their ideas? Uh, calm down a bit, really, because if you, it, it's kind of don't, don't, don't take yourself too ser seriously, and you're not as important as you think you are. All of us, none of us are, are as important as we think we are. Uh, there are enough people who it depends what change you want to make. You know what I mean? If you want to change the world, it's not going to happen. Go into politics and kick out some of the people who are who you don't like who are not doing what you would do but if this is a conversation about little old me or little old and young you just fish where the fish are 
be aware of the change that you think you can make and don't take and i'll repeat myself don't take yourself too seriously don't think that you have to appease everyone because not everyone's listening to you it's only, it's only you you know so a great way of thinking about it someone mentioned to me once is if you were trying to flog marmite you've got a choice are you going to sell more marmite by talking to people who like marmite or are you going to is it going to take longer and cost more money to convert people who don't marmite like marmite to buy to buy marmite you know, I would rather spend my money or nearly all of it on reminding people who like Marmite to buy more Marmite. So if you want to go, right, we've got a new marketing strategy and the main strand is now converting them what don't like Marmite to like Marmite. It's like, they, but they don't like Marmite, you know, so, well, well, but they might like Marmite if they had it on brown toast instead of white toast. Maybe that, Yeah, but what about if we just try and remind and build a community around them what do like Marmite? Just talk. If you like Marmite, talk to the people who like Marmite. And if you don't, talk to the people who don't. That's the answer in my mind. You know, just don't think you're going to. If you want to go off, go, I want to change the world, fine. But you're not going to. That said, I need to put a bolt on. All four clients that I'm working with as a brand consultant or whatever I am, I am trying to get them to change their world. And one example I'll give you, I'll just pick one of the companies. They one of the, one, a client of mine um, maps the ocean floor and understands the relationship between ship vessels and very very important subsea cables, and they're doing everything they can to reduce cable strikes to zero. So they're all about reducing the world's cable strikes to zero. That's the headline. It's not hello, we'll stop ships dropping anchor on your cable. They're basically saying if everybody used us the world would change and it bloody would because the world's cable strikes would reduce to zero or nearly zero. How do we know that? Because they've been going for 16 years and almost every client has had the cable strikes drop to zero or nearly zero. So the point is, this is coming back to marketing now, their marketing message massively focuses on the global change that they can make within their niche based on a massive understanding and a track record of success. But coming back to what some people are asking, I think, it's understanding the rules of the game. And when when Kim, for example, is talking about what she's talking about, you know, perhaps people like uh, J.K. Rowling are coming to mind and you can say the wrong thing and get cancelled and things happen. But I wouldn't worry about that because I'm assuming that nobody in the room has got her money or profile or reach. So not that many people are listening. And I have to say, there are some areas which I wouldn't tiptoe into anyway, because they're just too messy. The world's messy. Um, just leave it, you know. Um, there's enough to do where you are, I think. There's enough to do where I am. Um, everything I'm doing, I'm, I'm totally clear on the change I'm trying to make. Crystal clear. And I'm totally clear on how bad other people are at making the change I want to make. And I'm totally clear on how I think I can make that change better, more quickly, more cost-effectively uh, than they can. And that's what I try and do. Well, I'm always curious when someone says people out there can be so nasty. And mm. um, there's a fear, like Michael's got this kind of inner confidence, I think, from your work and maybe the stage of life, uh, maybe caring a bit less about what people, in inverted commas, think. But I'm always curious about who are these people? Do you really care about what they think? Or is it just the fact of being shot down in public? I'm pretending, really to a degree, because we were lucky enough that 30 consecutive people who stopped in our flipping one of our holiday studios were like five stars, etc. But you know that one person who gives you four and a half stars? That's, that's the one where you go, oh my God, what did we do? You know, we, we've got to stop. We're ho so I totally get cut, cut, cut to the core by people what don't like what we do. Mm. But it's part, it, it's playing the game, isn't it? It's, it's, it, 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 it's hurtful on a, especially when you're trying to be the best, you know, mm -hmm. um, and best by the way, requires very clear definition. I have to say that in my opinion and experience best as a descriptor or as a business goal is of no value unless you actually define what that means. But the more precise you get in terms of what these terms mean, the smaller your world becomes and the more likely you are to, I have to say, 
because the best mm. brands in the world, the best brands in the world, in my opinion, and the best, and, and by the way, this can be measured in terms of profitability and reach and longevity as well, are the more narrowly focused brands, the ones that know who they are for. Most clients that I pick up don't really understand who their customer is mm. or how clients and customers behave based on what a, the, what a brand actually says. I'll just mention one one thing which makes my head spin, so it will make your head spin as well, pro pro probably. I think the brand is, can't remember if it's North Face or Berghaus, I can't remember. But the sentence that they talk about is, we make clothing for mountaineers because our core customer is our consumers. This is massively important for anybody who's thinking of how to build a brand or run any business. We make clothing for mountaineers because our core customer is a commuter. But if you and I kind of get that because of the if it can if it's great if it's good enough to go up a mountain in then it's good enough for me to to jump on a metro or a train or a bus with. But imagine if Berghaus or North Face I can't remember who it is and I had this conversation with a guy called Nigel Cabourn who some of you will have heard about a hero of mine based up here in the northeast. Imagine if Berghaus or North Face said we create clothing for commuters. I don't think many commuters would want to buy it because it doesn't sound very sexy. Mm -hmm. So understanding how the messaging is built and how the brand is built and consumer behavior is so important. And I'm sorry to go off on one, but it's coming back to the fact, I think, that some people here might be thinking about starting or growing a business. There's something there around clarity and really knowing who you're speaking to and also uh, knowing to the aspirations they may have. And and the uh, the identity that they want to connect with, from a from creating that feeling of like oh I I want to be a part of that. Then I think just dialing it back a little bit in terms of Lawrence was saying okay who are these people that might be wanting to attack or say something about what I'm going to say? I want to acknowledge what Michael was saying is like a lot of the time we we don't necessarily reach as many people as we think we're going to reach. When we, when we post things online or write a blog. But we do want to reach people, so that's one thing. And so there is a need to reach people, particularly if you believe the work that you do is quite purposeful. There is a meaning to it as, other than the money, and it's close to your heart, and it's something that you believe in, you're passionate about. And it may be work that is quite, um, could be quite polarizing because of its opinion, because of its perspective, because it's dealing with um, human emotions and behaviors and, and and needs and so on one hand i think there is a there's an awareness that maybe the number of attacks that you might get might not be as big as you want so there's the fear of the fear as opposed to the actual thing but also there is something here around how we deal with with objective people who who object to what we say and i think and i'm going to connect this because it isn't necessarily part of our business but i remember a couple of years ago during the when Black Lives Matters came to the fore in people's consciousness, and it was around the time when uh, the incident with George Floyd, uh, and we were talking, myself and Lawrence, about what can we say about this? Because a lot of people were saying, trying to pr present an opinion, trying to present a perspective, trying to present a stance. And like, and, and I'm connecting this to what Mark's saying, is we don't have to have an opinion on everything, but sometimes we want to share an opinion. And it's an exposing. Do you, mean we, My, do you mean we, the individual, or the business? We individuals and the business. To, to an extent, the business is individuals, myself and Lawrence. And we had, uh, well, I had definitely uh, a reaction to it and uh, an opinion about it, um, but also not a very clear one, if that makes sense. Not something that I yeah. could say, all right, this is it. It's, but it's something that also I felt the need to share that I didn't necessarily have a 100% clear opinion, but also I empathize with the situation. And so to be able to express that is scary because you think, all right, what, what are people going to come back? And to express that really truthfully can be scary because you feel that someone might come back at you with something, but you don't know what, and we don't know how much. And so yeah. there is a hesitancy to say, yeah, all right, this is what I believe, because actually, you know, there is the, the even if it's just two comments, it's like the, the depth or the the pain that that comment might cause could create some feeling of like, oh, oh dear, I'm, I'm now scared to say the wrong thing. I agree. By the way, nothing we can say is universally true. 
I think, on any subject because context, timing, who is saying it, who is listening, how I feel when I'm saying it, how I feel when I'm listening to it. So in any conversation like this in a public forum, it's very important, I think, to take into account that nothing that anybody can say is 100% right or, or wrong. It's always somewhere in between. However, of course, if we're saying things like, you know, what happened with George Floyd was just something what happened and it didn't really matter, did it? Well, it was, hang on, I don't, I think universally that's not correct. But what happens at the other end? I'm going to mention something about, the reason I'm precursor in it with this mini ramble is I actually don't think any business, but this isn't 100% true, it's 90 something percent true, should say anything much on these subjects. And the reason is because, and I wrote about this, and it did, I did get into a battle because brands don't really exist apart from in the mind of the consumer. So I actually, it was when the Queen died, LinkedIn, as you know, was flooded with people saying something about the Queen. And I didn't say anything, not because I didn't think she was, a. well, I, my personal view is, is over here. But the point is this, as in, this is why I, when I asked you, when you who's we? I feel something, Mike, Michael feels something, but I don't feel it's my place to be a brand and say something. And of course, I'm scraping the surface here and, and it's bigger than my little comment, but I get confused sometimes because the, the, the perception around a brand and what it says is, is fluid. And this perhaps is the whole point, actually. It can, it's, it's like a ball of string. It's fluid. It changes all the time. And it does frighten me a little bit. That might be what's really going on. I'm frightened to say something as a brand, unless it's misconstrued. No, I think it's a really useful, important point. Because there's there's this idea of the business, and then there's the idea of the per people within the business and what they want to yeah, express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to yeah. be honest, our business is two people. And may some yeah, people may perceive us to be bigger than 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 what we are, but we are essentially two people with values perspectives needs uh yeah uh, ideas but I, I agree with you in terms of like what is the what is the place of the happy start school what 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 is happy stars startup schools need to say something and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it could be around race it could be about climate change it could about so many things what is the businesses you know and, that, and that's an interesting thing because we start to detach or unattached things. It's like as people, we'll have our own opinions, and our own beliefs, and our own needs, and our own feelings about something. But as Can a I, business, it's 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 a collective maybe of of things. But which also, how how does that? How do you come to a common stance? Okay, I'm going to depersonalize my next comment because this is nothing to do with you, Carlos, or me. Yeah. The reason the reason why I think businesses should say less is because if we had a graph. And basically, it measured two things. What businesses actually say about a thing that they say they believe in or what pe what businesses actually do about the thing that they say they believe in. They do bugger all. So I would much rather a business said bugger all and did something than actually said something and did bugger all. And an example of that is going back to something I said earlier. And by the way, I'll repeat, this is nothing to do with anybody in the room. But just just before the podcast came on, Somebody who I think is 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 part of this conversation said, "I'm thinking of doing a podcast." And I thought to myself, and within a blink of an eye, he's kind of going, "I don't really know what to do." And by the way, I'm not comparing someone wanting to do a, a podcast with um, the gravity around what happened with George, but this is my point. This guy said, "I'm thinking of doing a podcast," and I thought, "Well, I I I do podcast with a number of people, and I'm about to do one." So I sent him a direct message and said, "If you want to give me a call next week, we'll have a chat about see if I can help." I didn't feel the need, depersonalize it, to go on to LinkedIn and say in an open forum, if you want me to help you with your podcast, I'm Mr. Podcast. I'll help you. I'm just saying, this is going back to my point about this three people in conversation. I just said to you, if you want some, I'll help you, you know what I mean? If I can, if you want me to. So I just think there's a lot of people posturing. I really do. Because there's things I believe in and I just do something. And I know it gets very confusing uh, because sometimes, there's this whole thing, you know, someone over here, but what is what, the, the virtue signaling, et cetera. I, I stay away from it. And it might be because I'm scared, to be honest, because I will get it wrong because I'm clumsy and I'm Tourette's-like in my work. But if I believe in a thing, I'll just do a thing. I don't need someone to, and, and I'm not, no one is saying this about anyone. I just do it. 
Uh, and if someone asks me a direct question, as they are now, I'll flip flack around it as I am conscious of what I am I'm doing. I'll just say one more thing. In the grand scheme of if this is meant to be a, a chat about building businesses and being happy by doing so and making change, I think we can navigate around these issues. And it's my fault that we've been on for about 10 minutes of a one-hour-ish chat. I actually think that the short answer is, and this is me talking to me, Don't just don't go near it. Just leave it alone. And if you want to make a change, make it on a personal level. Business you have a, a clear purpose or you bloody well should just focus on that. And I know that's oversimplistic, but I, I, I just hear so many people come up with excuses not to do a thing or say a thing or be a thing in this 1000 month long life of ours. Cause we're all going to die in about a thousand months from being born because it's 84 years and sorry, 83 years and four, three months. Just get on with it, you know? And if some Burke is nasty, don't try and change them to stop being nasty because I've tried to do that. They're probably not even really nasty. They're just bored or stupid or, or drunk. You know what I mean? There's a difference, of course, between a nasty person and, a, and an okay person who happens to say a nasty thing. But oh, getting into all that, I haven't got time. You know, I've got businesses to run and so have you. So let's just do it. Like you're saying, there's there's words and there's actions and there's influence. And, and I, I think our words can have influence, but I think ultimately it's what we do is what I'm hearing from you and how, how we actually so. move forward because there is a lot of talking out there and there is a lot of posturing and trying to show. And, and if anything, the whole world of influencer marketing is, is a prime example of a business built on um, mm -hmm. empty words mm -hmm. and the kinds of people who are in our community are wanting to act. They are wanting to take steps forwards and, and, and see these changes that they believe are important in the world, but are held back because of fear because of maybe lack of clarity because of some of the practical aspects of the passion that they have for something versus actually being able to create something that's sustainable and 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 can can feed them as well as feed the world on this subject always wear red is a company that i've invested six figures in and it won't make money it will break even at best and it's it's real one one of the reasons it exists, and I wrote about this on LinkedIn today. And I'm happy that if anybody wants to talk to me about it, it's very simple. And it's to encourage people to stop making crap things. Just stop making crap because you can make crap. Just don't see it as a market gap for more crap. So I can make the crap, you know, have a bloody good reason for. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because I do my business consultancy, some of which I adore, some of which I find a little bit chuggy. That makes me the money to allow me to do this thing over here because a subject we were supposed to be talking about, but I've knackered things by just going off on one. Is I, I accidentally used the term to Carlos happy hedging because I kind of hedge across these businesses. Two of them make me money. Two of them don't. Um, and I don't know what will happen if I get involved in this flipping shot just around the corner but if i buy it and it doesn't work out it's your fault particularly if you lot vote that i, that I should or i'll blame you but what's my point there my point there is be aware of the change you can make but not take it too far if it doesn't go far enough that's just as bad you know i'll just make a thing to sell a thing and make some money and then when someone buys it and bungs it in a cupboard that's okay by me it's not okay by me because the world's full of too much stuff, you know. Um, but to just, uh, but to go too far and want to do something, and you know, the black life, all the, you know, these terrible, awful, hugely important things. I think they need a lot of consideration. You know, join a board, join a movement, join a something separate from yourself, separate from your business. Over here, that's the way I would do it. They're not all the same thing. You know, your business can do something significant, but let's not pretend that we can change the some of the most horrible things in the world with our businesses, because we probably can't. We'll be part of the movement over here as an individual, maybe, if you really do believe in it. Give them time, give them support. Join a board, become a non-executive director of something and don't get paid. Just help out, you know? I think what I'm getting from this is try not to bring or put the weights of change all on your own shoulders and not to feel like uh, it's only up to you to make these things happen. I think it's important 
I feel to be passionate about these things, to be passionate mm-hmm. about change, but mm-hmm. not necessarily to feel like you are the buck stops mm-hmm. with you first. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about join something, be part of something, I think it's there's something about with a lot of these complex challenges that we have, it's a collective action that's important. Absolutely. And for, yeah. for me, the interesting thing about collective action is you've got to see other people wanting to take action or else you're the only person standing up. But if like uh, you're amongst 100 people standing up and saying, you know what, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to, then it doesn't feel so hard because you're not, A, you're not exposed and being alone. So for instance, like even with Kim, and the fear of being attacked. Like if you're standing up and you have another 99 people behind you at your back, yeah. a lot easier to cope with the, the slings and arrows. But if you don't stand up and no one else stands up, then there's, there's a fear that basically I'm the only one. All I know with my time machine and my clear ability to see the future, tongue firmly in cheek, is all I know is that the boldness that might be missing from some of the people's very being today, when you're about to die, it will be more powerful than ever because you'll realize that you're not going to be here anymore and we're going to die. So if you're going to do a thing, do it now. But I guess all I'm saying is get the balance right. But I don't know what the balance is. I know what my balance is most of the time, not all the time, because I get loads of things wrong. You work out what your balance is, whether you're an Anya or a Chris or a Stephen, and then do what you, only you can do. And that brings us back to one of the things that I think, Carlos, you led this with, you know, say what only you can say. A neighbor of that is do what only you can do based on where you are, how you're feeling, your age, your feeling, because to repeat, you'll, you'll wish you had when you're 95, let's hope we all get to 95, you'll go, I wish I'd said it. You will wish you'd said it and done it. You really will, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that it is that, I think, based on your own journey and this and me kind of interpreting it, you have to get to a certain point in life when you have those resources to draw on. It's like, oh, this is what I actually think. This is what I want to be uncompromising about. And I feel that some people from a young age have that perspective straight away, uh, however naive that may be. Some of others, like I count myself, is like I only have learned what I really believe in after 598 months. But then now it's my responsibility to talk about it. And this is when it's about dealing with the fear of saying something that only I can say, but being scared that people are going to shoot me down. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we said anything that everybody agreed with, it's a pretty anodyne, boring thing. Mm. I have to say, if you say it's a basic rule, which I would stand by is if the thing you're saying, everybody agrees in, it's probably rubbish. (laughs) It, It is. It's probably absolutely rubbish because some people, the power of what you're saying is because people don't agree with it. Because by the way, we've already said in this conversation, there are nasty people, there are arseholes, there are idiots, there are people who are just nasty. Why would you want this everybody? I don't want to be, I'm not interested in them. I'm only interested in people who, you know, it was a Simon Sinek thing. Don't look for people who want to buy what you're selling. Look for people who believe what you believe. That's very important. You know, Simon Sinek, he's a little bit mainstream now, one might say. Other people think he's super duper. But yeah, look for people who believe what you believe. And that's the way communities are built, of course, and the way that the power of collective thinking in, the, in a single-ish direction can create change, I think. Look for people who believe what you believe. Don't try and convert everyone to believe what you believe. You've only got a thousand months. Hurry up. <laughs> you know, you ain't got long. Awesome. Yeah, do something you believe in. You know, it's amazing. We sit here and I say, we, it's me. Do something you believe in. Uh, okay, well, that sounds... Okay, don't then. Do something you don't believe in. <laughs> no, but that'd be stupid. Well, do something you believe in then. It's not complex, you know what I mean? You have a choice. Do something you believe in or do something you don't give a toss about or do something you don't believe in. There's only one way I want to go. And I know I'm oversimplifying, but remember this hedging thing. I thought I thought I was going to become a multimillionaire with the clothing thing, doing a fashion brand. But everybody in fashion, almost everybody, you know, people like Simon Cotton, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people in fashion. But most of them are driven by things I don't give a toss about. 
speed, you know, 900% markup, um, making everything the same. These are all the things that I really detest about, uh, you know, and pushing out payment times and not paying as much as one should, you know? I don't like any of that. And I'm not saying it's it's all over uh, that particular sector, but it's there to such an extent that I don't want to be there. So I'm leaving. And yeah, I think there this is this for us for me touches on some of the things that we we try we try to communicate to people in our community about sometimes if you're not sure what the the mission is or, or mm. what you believe in, there's mm. you can find the things mm. that you don't believe in and the 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 enemies that you're trying to fight. And then that starts to bring some clarity as to where you wanna where what you wanna show up to say and the direction you wanna go into. Before we leave, I thought is there um anything um and also before we close anywhere that you would like to push people or direct people to 50 odd i have to say 50 odd is something that doesn't make me any money it's just how i think it may turn into a book one of these days because people say it probably should but the lasting thought is very kind of you you know always wear red has things to sell between now and christmas and probably for 2023 as well and there's only one of almost everything we've done so if you see something you want you know, buy it because there's only one of them. But to answer your question, I wanted to mention something that I think might be most useful to, 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 to whoever's listening. If you don't mind on the subject of getting through confidence to preeminence. So when I, when I shut all the agencies down, you know, employing 30 people, turning over a million and a half quid, I was lost completely. I'd lost my value, my sense of self, and that really frightened me. If I was less stupid than I am, I would have thought, I wonder what happens if I shut everything, you know, and earn nothing. Um, but I didn't. I just did it because I'd had enough. It was making me ill, so I stopped. I'm saying this because some of your gang might think, should I go, should I not go? Anyway, I wanted to mention, quite by accident, Carlos, you know this because I mentioned it to you briefly. There was a four-stage cycle I had to go through, and I didn't even know I was going through it until I went, Every time I do this, I feel better. And it was the following four steps. It was basically generosity, value, confidence, preeminence. And quite by accident, I don't think I've nicked it from somewhere. But if I have, it don't matter because it works for me. You see, I think I'm quite good at something. I'm not quite sure what it is, though. The things I'm doing now, I think I do them really well. I think I do. But of course, if people think I do, they buy them. If they don't, I don't. If they think I write well, they read it. If they don't, they don't. But I'll explain. I joined the board of a few things, the generosity bit, to see if I could add value and, and something of significance to people. I just did it for free. I gave away as much time as possible. And it, gave, it made me feel valued. And the more valued I felt, the more confident I became. And the more confident I became, the better I became at whatever it is I decided to do. So I have to say, as weird as it sounds, and I've not suddenly turned into Mother Teresa, I don't think, every time I've, if, if, if I've ever been good at anything, it's always started with generosity. Always. Generosity, value, confidence, preeminence. And I don't, I just wanted to say that because if anybody was ever feeling, I don't know if I can do this. Give stuff away. Get off your backside. Get up two hours earlier. Stay up two hours later. Don't have your first beer at six o'clock. Have it when you get home after 10 o'clock. Just do something for nothing. Makes you feel amazing. You'll, as long as you're good at what you're doing, you'll get the confidence to take you to excellence. If indeed that's where I am in anything that I'm doing. But I just wanted to mention that as the lasting notion, if that's okay. No, that's, that's excellent. I like that. And I don't know, Lawrence, it reminds me of you starting up in web design. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a segue. Um, yeah, I don't know if I gave anything away. I think, well, I probably did loads of stuff because no one would pay me rather than gave it away. Yeah, you did it because you enjoyed it and yeah. then you got I mean, better. That, that was more like not wanting to get paid for something that I literally couldn't do. But okay. no, I, lo I love the process. And like you said, it's, I guess in some ways it's part of the advice we give people at the start is just, just get out there and start doing stuff. Don't hide away pretending you know it all uh, at least to serendipity as well isn't it you know by absolutely just being in front of people and yeah building yeah. confidence and connecting with random people that you might not otherwise never meet i was just curious about martin's final parting question about with the shop um michael is there something that you could do with the shop that no one else could do link back to the uh, theme of the session i think i it joins the dots for me 
Um, I won't go into it now, but it, it kind of makes sense. I'm just thinking, oh, I, I'm 50. It's kind of, I'm thinking I'm 600 and something months old. Am I, am I meant to calm down now and go and grow some veg? I don't think I can do that. <laughs> so yeah, I can, I, can, I can do something with it, I think. What's this space? Yeah. Yeah. So at our Happy Startup Summer Camp, we uh, had uh, a woman called Aisha Bursal talk about uh, design the long life you love. Uh, uh, so on one hand, it's about how um, businesses are making and designing products and services and forgetting that there's going to be a lot more older people. And how are you including them in the design process? Uh, and secondly, since we are potentially going to, you know, we might go beyond the 80 years, the thousand months. What is it that we want to do with those remaining 300 months that are there? Um, and being able to take, I think, approach it with some level of intention and, and consciousness and design and energy. And this is something I'm taking away from this conversation, Michael, is that the energy and the passion that you bring to to the to your work and also to your ideas. How can we infuse the rest of these uh, months with that energy to not just have this slow trudge to retirement and and whatever that means for us? A better question than what do you do is what are you for? And I know that mm. sounds weird, but we, we meet people at a party or something. Ah, what do you do? I'm sure yeah. we're not going to go, oh, hello, what are you for? Because we're not going to make many friends, but it's a much better question. What are you actually for? Nice. Um, awesome. Well, thank you very much, Michael. Really, really grateful for your time yeah, and, and, and knowledge. Thank you, everyone else, for your interactions on the chat and sharing your questions and, yeah, pushing us down this direction. I think it's really helpful to have that. Until next time, thank you very much, Michael. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank Cheers, you. Lauren. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. To hear more inspiring conversations like this, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search for The Happy Entrepreneur. In March, we'll be launching Tribe 7 of our Vision 2020 program. If you're at a point in your career or entrepreneurial journey where you're asking yourself, what next? And you need the clarity and confidence to make some bold decisions about a new direction, then this program is for you. We'll help you define what success really means to you, understand the impact that is yours to make, make sure your mission is both energetically and financially sustainable, and also learn how to build a supportive community around yourself. We want people who are driven to do good in the world and are tired of trying to do it on their own. We'll share the key lessons we've learned while building the Happy Startup School and pivoting from the stressful peaks and troughs of agency life to a life of freedom, adventure, service and connection. We value learning, play and friendship and we'd like to help you discover the values and the work that align more to who you are. Don't struggle alone. And don't get sidetracked by other people's measures of success. Discover for yourself what it means to create effortless impact. To apply for the next tribe, go to vision.happystartups.co. We look forward to hearing from you.